Hi everyone and welcome to today's Monday Memo. I want to share a story about a few years ago where I was asked to sit on a panel um, assessing the intern applicants for a graduate finance program. And what I found during the process was quite concerning as to our future success to be able to help them fully reach their potential because as I deconstructed their submissions into a word cloud, put a link in on the show notes, the most common word used in that cloud was skills it was used 47 times, followed by knowledge, which was 38. And the most common phrase was leadership skills. And that was concerning because of the disproportionate emphasis on skills and knowledge. Whereas if you're looking to become a leader, surely that's quite a big function of how much experience you've got in leading people. And in, in itself, it hardly registers in the word cloud analysis. I mean, but what really is odd, though, is that if you think about it, when we hire for those mid to senior level finance positions, we tend to look for people that have already done the job or have the potential to done the job because they've demonstrated either a willingness to want to do it or have sought experiences in terms of volunteering or leading others across the organization or different organizations. You know, more so than what certificates or bits of paper people can flash around. There'll still be a disproportionate emphasis on people spending time in classroom, learning skills that may not even be practical in the workplace. Um, I also recall a st uh, one of my mentees who, great potential, uh, when we first met she said she wanted to figure out how to get a promotion uh, to a line manager level. And... You know, that's a good move, but then it wasn't such a good move that she then said, well, she thought she needed to get further skills training to do that. And I've done this a few times myself. So how? So I asked her the question, so how do you think you become a manager with a, in organizations with a span of control of, say, seven to one, where the opportunities to manage aren't really that common? You know, let's say you get your training, you get this piece of paper. How well does that stack up against someone who already has that experience or, or go the extra mile or think of clever ways of trying to get that experience and then i thought well why is all this if she wasn't the only one so then i thought like why all this fascination with knowledge over experience so i hazard a couple of guesses i mean if you think about how they've been schooled you know our schools have done a fantastic job teaching them how to do school how to regurgitate facts to pass exams uh, rather than maybe synthesizing uh, the knowledge and the facts they're learning into something that's practically useful in solving problems that comes with experience. We're just simply not uh, teaching our finance professionals of tomorrow how to gain the appropriate experience and what they need to do. Maybe a second angle to consider is, well, exam fees, study courses, and uh, the commercial activities of a lot of accountancy and education providers form an awful lot of their profits. They're big profit drivers for them. Uh, when I looked at a recent FRC report, 44% of their fee income co comes from such sources. So it's nearly half their income comes from pushing skills training courses down our throats. Indeed, I looked at my emails for the last 30 days. One accounting body sent me 17 emails promoting the courses that they do. And they're not even targeted at me. They're just generic emails. So... No wonder why there's such an incentive to keep pushing these things. So I do think we're doing the next generation of finance professionals are wrong here because we're sort of 
leading them down a path where skills acquisition and knowledge acquisition is the main one rather than where it really comes down to experience if you want to get the most and have a fulfilling career. You know, and I get that. I mean, I was in a similar position in my career. I was seeking out knowledge early on, and I get that. You need that to get in the door. But I was never really taught the right way until a mentor showed up, and he showed me that it was ultimately how I got those experiences and influences into my career would determine how much I could contribute as an individual as well as a leader in accounting and finance. So, I mean, if you want to be better at finance, you know, to be judged on your results, not your time, and to reach your potential faster, then I suggest find yourself a mentor, someone who can complement all that knowledge you're acquiring by sharing with you real stories and their hard-won lessons and give you some practical advice on what might work or might not work in your careers. And if you think about it, you go to an off-site training course of four days. That's 32 hours of skills development. Or you could look at it as another way. That's a time that's been taken away from you spending maybe 64 half-hour sessions with a mentor. So maybe we're just, I'm not saying give up the skills acquisition. We all need to keep up to date with the latest skills and what works and what doesn't. But we just need to balance that a bit better with the experiences a mentor can give us and think about the time we're putting into both and get that a bit more balanced. And, you know, we, we are serious about trying to put this right where we've been you know, going wrong with the next generation of finance professionals by, by building up the Strength in the Numbers podcasts and why the various mentors, the guest mentors, show up every week to record their 30 minutes with us because they themselves have benefited enormously from mentors in their career, giving them the free advice that's helped them enormously in their careers and helped get nearer to their potential. And whilst not all the mentors on our show may be relevant for you, you, know, you can decide for yourself. I mean, that's why we put up detailed show notes with each guest's uh, bio there and um, how to connect with them, uh, the key quotes covered in the episodes, uh, timestamps of the very op- various topics where they're covered. So you don't have to listen to the whole podcast. You can go straight to the bit that's relevant to you. So check us out at sitnshow.com. And um, also while you're on the website, you can find out the most up-to-date information on our shows, uh, our blogs, Also, we record some videos as well and provide other resources from time to time that will help you keep improving your skills, your experience, and building on your strength in the numbers already. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and SoundCloud. You know, as you're going through all this information, if there's any guests you'd like to have on the show, any topics you think we should be covering, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Email me at andrew at sitnshow.com. Or connect with me on LinkedIn. I mean, like at the end of the day, we'll only keep our strength in the numbers to the extent that we help each other. So until next time, take care and let's keep building on our strength in the numbers.